This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Clayton is uh, the executive pastor of Generosity at Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. Um, he's led a lot of different pastorates over the years, and uh, from 1980 to 1991, he was the senior pastor here of Schweitzer, and it was during his tenure that there was a phenomenal growth in the congregation, and it was this sanctuary that was built 30 years ago. And so as we celebrate our 65th anniversary, and as we uh, look back and look forward, uh, there was really only one person to invite, so I'm just so happy that Clayton's here. Clayton and I met each other way back at Camp Galilee over 30 years ago, and uh, can't tell you all those stories. Uh, Clayton uh, is a friend. He's a colleague. He's someone that I've looked up to for over the years. Uh, I've learned from him. I continue to learn from him. And even though his humor isn't the best, he still likes to tell jokes. (laughs) He and Lori have four children and two wonderful grandchildren, and Lori's going to be here later at the 11 o'clock service. And so, um, just so pleased, so thrilled to have Clayton here as our preacher this morning. Would you join me in welcoming him? What a great honor and greater privilege it is to be here today. And like Wes Arrington, who was appointed pastor here 50 years ago, I was appointed pastor here at Schweitzer 36 years ago. And to celebrate your 30th anniversary of the sanctuary and our 65th year of amazing ministry here at Schweitzer United Methodist Church is just a, just a wonderful joy. My heart is full of joy. So thank you, Bob, for the invitation. Thank you for so many of you that, that I recognize. And some of you who I didn't recognize, I'm sorry, but I actually, I'm going to have to have eye surgery this summer, cataracts. So I'm, I'm using that as my excuse. It's, it, it, that's the only excuse I can think of. Uh, but it is a wonderful time to be here. One of the things I want to do today is to share with you four scriptures, four key scriptures. Bob asked me to talk about worship, so the theme of our, the sermon is around worship, how important worship is. Matter of fact, I've got a copy here, Bob, of the first draft for the first worship service, June 1st, 1980, and Mike Jones was the chair of the administrative board, and uh, Jim Stewart, Dr. Jim Stewart was the chairman of the Public Pastor Parish Relations Committee, and they introduced me, and I preached. I'm going to give you that for your historical records. I'm sure he has an archive nearby. And uh, I preached on a sermon called The Language of Love, and there was four points to that sermon, and I'm going to share a little bit about that sermon, just a brief overview. And then I'm going to talk about four what I call defining moments when I believe God touched this congregation and God touched me. God touched us together. 
and then I'm gonna share some humorous antidotes. And I must say, my humor hasn't gotten any better. And my humor humbles me. And I have to confess one sin. I, I still love to listen to people moan and groan. And uh, you need to pray for my wife. Just think, <laughs> Lori and I have been married over 30 years as well, and our children are just doing great, and we have two grandchildren. So this is what I wanted to do, talk to you about and share with you something from my mind and my heart and my soul about the importance of worshiping together as a community, how vital that is, and how God does through our corporate worship. And I told Bob I did a lot of biblical exegesis and research and trying to discover what's the main reason that people worship, and we've always worshiped. Yeah, I'm sure worship began in a personal way, but it, it grew to become a corporate experience, so much so that people needed to pull together a holy place, a sanctuary where they could worship together. And, and the thesis of what I'm saying today is we worship God simply because we really love God. And it's not that we love God first. God loves us first, and our response is to love God back. And we worship as a community, a corporate body called the church, because we love one another. Let's take a look at four scriptures here today. The first one comes from Exodus chapter 40, 33 through 34. And here Moses is worshiping God as he's led the people out of the slavery. And the scripture says he set up a court around the tabernacle and the altar and then put up a screen at the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work and then a cloud covered the tent of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle. The worship was an experience of the presence of God. It's the work of what we do to prepare God's presence among us. And the psalmist in Psalm 95, verse 6, put it this way. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 7, we hear these words. They're very familiar to, you, to each of us. It's what the language that God given us is all about. It's about a way of expressing our love to one another. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels who do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that it may, I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious, boastful, or arrogant, or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Thanks be to God for this scripture. Now I'd ask you to stand with me as we read 
two verses in the Gospel of John, and I'd like for you to read this with me. This is about the importance of how God's Holy Spirit comes into our experience of worship as we love God. Together, let us read. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord God, we do thank you for the privilege of worship. The privilege of pausing and, and putting our attention and our focus on your love in our lives and our love for you. Gathering as family and friends over the years and decades, we sense your presence, O oh Lord, in this place. We can feel your mighty power and grace, and we can hear the very brush of angel wings. And Lord, as we worship you in spirit and truth, we see the reflection of your glory on each face. For surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. You may be seated. As I begin today, I want to talk about four defining moments, those four experiences in my life where God touched me and God touched our congregation. And I must say, God is continuing to touch this congregation. I was walking up the walkway into the Cather building, and I, for the first time, I hadn't seen this change. There's so many wonderful changes here at the Schweitzer. And I saw the Welcome Center for the Children, and I saw through the glass and the doors of the windows um, this wonderful playground with the sun shining through it. And that really is a welcoming, inviting, heartfelt witness to the importance of children. And that has always been of great priority of this church, Church of the Resurrection. When I came here in, in, on June 1st, 1980, um, Ann and I, my first wife, Ann and I had two children, two little children. And it didn't take them long to know that they were loved. They were appreciated. It didn't take this long congregation very long to watch out for my son, Caleb. I remember the first time one of the nursery workers came to me and said, should we tell you when Caleb um, acts out? Yes, please. It, you know, you can spoil preacher kids if you keep the truth from their parents, and we're not going to do that, so I want to know all the bad, the ugly, and once in a while maybe something good about my kids. Well, you need to know, he, he bit a little boy. I said, How, was, that, was that bad? No, 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 it wasn't bad at all. I said, well, that's good. Well, he bit another little boy. <laughs> but it was June 1st, 1980, 36 years ago, and uh, I was 32 years of age. And um, someone said, I'm going to give Max Cunningham credit for this. Does anybody remember Max Cunningham? Okay. Max is probably not here. 
But I'm going to say, he told somebody after the first service that I preached, he said, my, we have a young pastor. Clayton's so young, he's probably still wet behind the ears. And probably would be true, that is, if we could see behind his ears because his hair is so long. It was back in the day. Now I'm lucky to have hair. In any case, God blessed me and God blessed this church as I preached that first sermon. I think it was a defining moment for me because I realized what we all need as a church is love. I know that sounds sentimental, but the older I get, the more sentimental I become. Because love is that enduring value. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and love endures all things. It lasts. It's forever. First point of that four-point sermon was love is forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. The second point was that love is a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The third point was that love is our law. We don't have an option. I mean, Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? In Matthew 22, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love others as you love yourself. John Wesley in the Wesley Chapel in England, built in 1778, had the back chancel of of, of the worship area, the asp area, he had a plaque that had the first commandment and a middle plaque that had the, the Apostles' Creed and the third plaque that had the second commandment. So important is this love and so important is that we rec recognize that it is a law. It's not optional. Sometimes we think it is. We're commanded to love God and one another. And finally, Love is our language. It's not only the language of our worship for God, but it's our language that we share with one another. So as we come together, I believe we come together, first of all, to love God, and secondly, to love one another. This week at the Missouri Annual Conference, one of the uh, speakers talked about the third chapter of Ephesians, talks about the power of the church. And as she read the scripture, it touched me especially these words, as a result of having strong roots of love. That's why I'm so grateful for Schweitzer. And I know Bob and Jim and all, all the pastors and staff here are so grateful because of the love that you have for them. We all do ministry better when we sense that supportive environment. And when I was 32 years old, this was my first church. I'd preached in college at four little churches, but this was the first church out of seminary. It was your love that grounded me. It was your love that gave me roots and strength to be the very best I could be. And it helps help this church move forward. As I look back on ministry, I know that God's steadfast love made all the difference in my life. In my years of ministry and study and worship, I've been more and more inspired by the depth and the height of God's love in Jesus Christ. So it all began with worship for me and for you and for us here at Schweitzer. The second defining moment for us was on December 14th, 1890, 
1986. I'm old, but not that old. 1986. Oh, by the way, somebody asked me, have I retired? I said, no, no, they won't let me. But two more years, I'm going to, hopefully they'll let me retire. I'll be 70. My goal is to retire when I'm 70 and a half, and that will be 50 years. 50 years of bad jokes. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the second defining moment was when we had our first worship service in this place, December 14th. We gathered to celebrate as a worship community. We had a thousand people in this right here, right now. It was amazing. It, it, this space became sacred space. As Moses said, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Our congregation gave over a million and a half dollars sacrificially to make this sanctuary possible. That was, as I recall, four times our annual budget, four times. George Dickensheet was the building committee chair. He joined me in commending this wonderful and generous congregation. Matter of fact, I have another historical document that I'm going to give your pastor. And this was written by Val Strader. And it's from 1951 to 1991. He gave me this history that he prepared. It's a wonderful pastoral history. And uh, on one of the pages, he quotes what George Dickensheet said on that first Sunday. George said, thank God it's over. It wasn't an easy building. I mean, it was, it was a challenge. I mean, this architecture is amazing. It, it's just amazing. We ran into rock and ran into a spring, and we, uh, we weren't able to complete the lower level the, that we now call a memorial because of the added expense. It was a challenge. Then he said, this project was sanctioned by God himself. It is an awesome responsibility, and hundreds have been involved. Uh, the next spring, on April 5th, 1987, uh, Bishop Handy came and consecrated this space. Uh, it is amazing what George did with a great team, and many of you here today were on that te team, and that was a defining moment to see us work together, to build together, to give together, and uh, it was very, very much... Uh, an amazing experience for me. The third defining moment for us, I think, was four years later, on September 23rd in 1990, when we consecrated Memorial Hall. Ray Trelisha was the building chairman. He joined me thanking God's people for their generosity that day. An unnamed member who has a spiritual gift of giving pardon me, walked to my office one day with his checkbook and asked me how much it would cost to put in a new elevator. We didn't have the money for an elevator. So I told him, and he didn't fall out of the chair or faint or have a heart attack. He wrote out a check. That's the spiritual gift of giving, the joy of giving that I experienced many, many times like this and other times here at Schweitzer United Methodist Church. The Reverend Bill O'Quinn came as he preached that day. He was one of our first pastors. Some of you know Bill. He was an amazing man of God. He was very formative for Bob and myself in our own early years of ministry. 
So that was an amazing time for me. We, we waited several years to have that memorial hall because we didn't want to go in debt. The fourth divining moment was when and how we were able to purchase and pay for this property right next door. It was Douglas Toyota property. It was listed for well over a million dollars. And uh, with the help of J.T. Brown, one of our members and a commercial real estate man, and Don Frank, chair of our finance committee, we bought that property uh, for $450,000. It was like one-third of the value. God raised up $100,000 of commitments and money in the next month to put the down payment together. So these, while these are very church and institutional projects, they are an outward and visible sign of what God was doing in the life of our congregation. Now with these four defining moments of our church in mind, I want to share with you some of my most humorous and humbling moments. Are you ready for this? Maybe tears of joy this time. Ben Fuquay, who couldn't be here, he's in Houston working with his grandparents and grandkids, um, was the pitcher of Team A. Back in the day, we had Team A, Team B, and Team C on, in the summer softball leagues. And, of course, uh, Ben Fuquay was on Team A. Dave Farabee was playing first base. And I was up to bat. The bases were loaded, and I was ready to, to hit a home run. But Dave Farabee called timeout, so Ben went over to talk to him and came back to the pitcher's mound right over here at Glendale. And, um, and of course, everybody was wondering what's going on. They're just trying to stall Clayton uh, from hitting the ball. And Well, whatever happened, Ben pitched this beautiful pitch. I mean, it was what I'd call a meatball. And I reared back and swung and hit that ball, and all of a sudden I thought, the world was going to end. My eyes immediately started burning. I fell to my knees. There was silence. I thought somebody had dropped an atomic bomb. I'm serious. I was praying for Jesus to come again. I'm telling you. And then I heard a little snicker. And another one, and another one. And then it went into laughter. And I started to open my eyes. And once I rubbed my eyes, I looked down. There were little shreds of white painted grapefruit all over the ground. And Ben Fuquay. Oh, man. I did get a hit, and Team C, the old men's team, beat A. That's how I remember it. Beat A. That's how I remember it. One night I asked Ben Fuquay to help me with some wallpapering. I was papering the kitchen at my house, and and I wasn't doing a good enough job for Ann, so I, I knew that Ben was, you know, he's a PhD kind of guy. He's real particular, and, and I wasn't when it came to wallpapering, so I was getting in trouble with my wife. And so I invited him over. He helped me two nights till about midnight and just helped us have a perfect job around the cabinets and, and everything. And, and uh, uh, the next day I called to thank him, and Janice answered the phone, and... Uh, I said, well, I wanted to tell Ben thank you for working with me until midnight two nights in a row. I bet he was tired. She said, no, sorry he's not here now, and he wasn't tired, but he did have a sore tongue. I said, why would he have a sore tongue? Well, he was hanging wallpaper with the preacher. He had to bite his tongue. He couldn't cuss. <laughs> there was, a, there was a, the time my son Caleb, who was probably five or six at the time, 
uh, we were worshiping in the chapel, and I was a single parent. My wife, Anne, had passed away, and so different members of the congregation were responsible for my, my perfect daughter and my not-so-perfect son. And uh, right in the middle of the sermon, I'm out here preaching, and my, I notice my son gets away from somebody on this side, and he walks by, and, and I'm preaching, and he smiles at me and gives me a little wave. He goes over here, and Arlie Pelham's sitting on the corner, and he holds out his hand to Arlie. Evidently, Arlie and Caleb didn't get the gum thing set up, so he wanted his gum now, right in the middle of the service. So he takes the gum, comes by, waits till he gets right in the middle, and pops it in his mouth. I preach through that. Oh, dear. But one of the other services that I'll never forget was when I was preaching in the chapel, and the chapel wasn't, uh, you know, air conditioning and it, it, we'd open the doors early in the fall and one door one day the uh, congregation on the left side of me on this side of me uh, they were I was losing attention so I was starting to preach and I was trying to get their attention back and Bob probably probably does this too trying to get his atten your attention back over here because I was losing attention they were looking down the aisle and then I got to the point where I could see this little mouse coming right down this aisle. <laughs> Seriously. Robert McDowell, are you here today? Well, Robert was our, our music minister, and he was sitting right there where Cheryl is. And uh, I saw his face, and he was afraid. <laughs> I thought, give me a break. Why don't you get up and get that? Well, anyway. So I keep preaching, and I go over there, and I get, I get there just at the point where... The, the mouse saw me coming, and the mouse jumped from one step to another, and I caught that mouse left-handed. I had the Bible in my right hand. This, God, I'm telling the truth here. <laughs> and, and I caught that mouse, and, of course, I brought the center aisle, and I called the head usher, who was uh, Don Johnson, down, and I said, Don, this is a creature of God, and, and, and I put it in his hands, and his eyes got real big. said, take that out and let it go. He, he took it out and let it go. He'll never forgive me for that. And you know, the next point of the sermon, point number three for that sermon was when little things become big things. <laughs> Ken Bernard, I have to say this about Ken Bernard, he was always playing tricks and he had some friends that would play tricks. And one Sunday morning I was getting coffee and he says, I've got your coffee for you and I put some sugar in it. Well, I took a big swig, and he'd put salt in my coffee. It wasn't about a month later. He was out at my house helping us with our deck, and, and I had to leave, and Lori wasn't home, and I said, help yourself the coffee in the kitchen. So the next day, uh, I called him and thanked him for his help, and he said, well, I, the Lord punished me. I said, what do you mean? He says, I couldn't find any sugar in the kitchen, so I went to a canister, and what I thought was sugar was salt. Thank you very much, Clayton. And I know Sh Sherry Bader and Wayne are here. They're, 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 they're uh, dear to my heart, and I didn't recognize them at first. I mean, I think they've been around the world doing mission work. And uh, I was out at their mom and dad's farm, Gerald and Betty Littles, one time, and going fishing. I had to go through this field, and uh, I'll never forget the time that the red bull chased me across his pasture, and I leaped over the fence. This church has had a number of wonderful staff. I mentioned Bob. Grace Askew was so dear. She was full of grace. She was just amazing. And her husband Charles, when he retired, became like a full-time staff member, unpaid. 
He led the group of 12 that helped us in our evangelism area. It was amazing what they could do. Uh, Denny Reeves, Avanel Johnson, Wilma Sutton, uh, Elizabeth Craig, Jonathan Cooney. Jonathan's here today. Deanna Gordon, uh, Chuck Puskas, Linda Witten, uh, Cheryl Mall. Cheryl and I think Jim McCormick's. Jim's still on staff? He's not? Jim was here when we started, and uh, it's just amazing of how many staff members grew. When we started, it was me, one secretary, one part-time, uh, and this staff, you know, the church grows with a great staff. As I conclude here this morning, um, 65 years, God has blessed this congregation in some amazing ways. But mostly, I think, through the sanctifying love of Jesus Christ. We've got a proud past, and we've got a very promising future. And we know the greatest need people have in this community is to be loved by God, to know the saving love of Jesus Christ. As I look back with a sense of joy, I look forward with hope. So let me challenge you with these words. To love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength and to love one another as you love yourself. And as you gather for worship, remind yourselves that this place is a place to give glory and praise to God. This place is a place to sac for sacraments that are celebrated. This place is a place for God's word. This place is a place to experience God's assurance and grace. So as we look back and as we look forward, I challenge you and invite you to be continued to be committed Grow in your commitment. Grow in your devotion. For it's here in this sanctuary that people can experience a spiritual awakening. It's here they can have the reassurance of faith and hope and love. It's here that you grow into a loving fellowship. And it's here where you experience the joy, the joy of Christ. I'm going to conclude with a poem that most of you probably remember uh, and perhaps um, know that it's so important to me in my own personal devotion. There are loyal hearts and spirits brave. There are souls that are pure and true. So give to the Lord the best you have, and the best will come back to you. Give love and love to your hearts will flow a strength in your utmost need and have faith. And a score of hearts will show their faith in your word and in your deed. Let the people of God say amen.